Hey, long time no see. Uh, welcome to First. Again, my name's Daniel. If you didn't catch that or you just walked in a second ago, and I'm our group's pastor. And uh, 2019, right? We're here. We made it. And one of those things that's really popular to do when the calendar flips over is to guilt ourselves into making a resolution because of the way we've behaved for the last two weeks. Am I right? Because we have eaten and bought whatever we wanted to for the last two to six weeks, somewhere in that range. And now it's time to really get down to business. You know, that might be why you're here today, to start off the new year on the right foot. Maybe you're leaning into spirituality for the first time. We're honored that you would trust us with that. But we really hope we can help you with both of those things. Over the course of this next month, we're going to talk about making this year the best year ever. We're going to talk about having the best relationships and friendships ever, the best finances ever, even, believe it or not, the best work ever, maybe without even changing your job. But I have good news. There's an even bigger vision for your life than 2019, and I hope that this is your best year ever. I sincerely do hope that for you. But it doesn't have to be the high point of your life. Here's what we believe. God doesn't only think in years, although he does, he thinks in lives. So we're going to look backwards to move forward to start today. And so what I got to ask you is, what was the best year of your life? Can you think about that for a second? I'm going to give you a second to reflect on that. Okay, best year of your life uh, for anyone was the year before 1950 by a raise of hands. Best year of your life. I'm just here to be inclusive, okay? I don't want to get in trouble or anything like that. So any time between the 50s and 1970 was the best year of your life. Anyone? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, anyone the 70s or the 80s was the best year of your life. And some of you are just deeply offended that I included those two epic eras at the same time with one another, right? It's like, whoa, this is different stuff, okay? Like, that was my glory days, all right? Don't, don't you put me in a box. All right, 1990s, anyone, best year of your life in the 90s, okay? I mean, I was born in the 90s, I get it, you know, so. Uh, or anyone, after the year of 2000 was the best year of your life. I would say I'm probably in there at some point, and some of you are just like, I've only lived after the year 2000, okay? You're putting me in a box right now. Now, whether it was way, way long ago or if it was 2018, a lot of us have a year that we think about, and we think to ourselves, that was the year. We think about it with all kinds of nostalgia, and we bring it back to memory over and over again. I mean, in 1969, right, we made it to the moon. That was a point of huge pride, and a lot of people, we felt really good in that year. Now, I wasn't even born in this year, but I figure it was a really great year because in 1984, the best player ever started playing for the Chicago Bulls. His name is Michael Jordan. His name is not LeBron James. His name is Michael Jordan is the best player ever. Just trying to, just making sure we tell you the truth to start here today. The year 2000 was a great year because we all realized just because a day on the computer changed, we weren't all going to die, right? And then we all had a little bit of extra water in the basement and extra soda crackers, you know, that we could use moving forward. 2007, on a little bit more of a serious note, probably was a great year before we really hit the Great Recession and economic prosperity was a little bit of a bigger thing. I don't know what your year was, but 2008 was the year that I graduated high school. That was an awesome year in my life. It's actually been like 10 or 11 years now. I just got the invitation to my reunion here a little bit ago, and I was like scratching my head that that was even possible. And then, of course, again, 1990, the year I was born, you know, that was a really good year, right? So sometimes 
It's hard to look back on our lives and make sense of things that have happened in the good years and the bad years. It's because we've experienced a lot of stuff. There have been good years, there have been bad years, there have been downright ugly years in our lives. A lot of stuff happens over the course of a normal year like 2018, but it's important to recognize this. In our lives, we are the common denominator. You ever think about that? All the highs, all the lows, all the good, all the bad, all the things that have happened to you, all the mistakes that you've made, you've been there the whole entire time. You're your own best friend in a way. I don't even know if that makes sense, but you have been there. You're the common denominator of your life. So to start 2019, we're looking back to help us move forward. And this is the big questions we're asking today. How did we get here? How did we get here? How did our lives end up in this place? And where do we go from here? I want to start by saying I understand that life is not fair. And I'm sure a lot of you recognize that as well. You know that life's not fair. Because a lot of the times, the trouble that we've seen is out of our control. And a lot of the times, it is stuff that we've done, if not most of the time. This is what we're finding out. A lot of the time, we can be our own worst enemy. You hit 2019, and you're carrying around a lot of guilt and regret, and as much as there are things that have been done to you that are poor in this last year, if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, a lot of the things that have happened to me have been because of the decisions that I've made over the course of the last year. This is not that simple, but I think it matters that we own our part in the equation. So... We're opening up this year by tapping into the source of God's wisdom, or a source of God's wisdom, I should say. When we open up the pages of the Bible, there's this wise man named Solomon who is actually the king of the ancient nation of Israel. And if Israel did a list of the best years ever, they all would have happened under Solomon's reign. They were the most prosperous, there was the most peace, there was no war during Solomon's life. The best of the best, the golden years, were Solomon's reign. But here's the thing, that wasn't an accident. There's this point in Solomon's life where God himself appears to Solomon in a vision or a dream and says to Solomon, carte blanche, I wish God would do this for me. God says this, ask for whatever you want me to give you. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Now, if I'm being honest, I'm not sure if I would do very well with that because the thing that I would probably ask for is a golden ticket to sit mid-court at any basketball game that I would ever, ever have the possibility to go to for the rest of forever. Solomon has a little bit more of pure motives than I do. Listen to what he asked for. He says this, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. Solomon ends up being one of the most knowledgeable people in the entire world, but he didn't ask to be a smarty pants. That's a valuable trait, but it only serves to benefit one person directly if we're selfish with it. We can just become smart for our own benefit. Instead, what we see is Solomon asks for discernment. He wants a discerning heart to be able to recognize what's right and wrong and to lead the people of this nation that has a special relationship with God well. And I think there's a lot to learn here. There are three virtues and characteristics that we talk about when it comes to this type of stuff. So I want to break this down for you. We start with what we're talking about, knowledge. And if I were to give you a definition for knowledge, it's simply this. It's basically a mental encyclopedia. 
Any of you who have a snart, smartphone, not a smartphone, that would be kind of weird. Uh, a smartphone, any of you who have a smartphone, you have a little encyclopedia of worldwide information sitting right there in your pocket. A lot of the folks who have grown up in my generation, we don't know what it is to not have questions answered. Curiosity is a little bit hard for us because a lot of the time, it's very easy for us to just talk into a phone and to get four or five opinions right away. Now, if knowledge is a mental encyclopedia, if it has a lot of information up in your head, the next step is this, it's discernment. And this is kind of what Solomon asked for. Discernment is the ability to know what's right. You don't just have a bunch of facts in your brain, but you have the ability to evaluate between what's good and bad based off of the information that's there. You have the ability to evaluate what is good and what is evil. And that's just something that goes on in our heads too, believe it or not. Because there's something profound that happens when we take our knowledge and we take discernment and we do something with it. And that is what we're tapping into for the next month. That's what we call wisdom. Wisdom is when we take discernment and a knowledge and we apply it in the world. It's when we take the stuff we know in the evaluation of what's good and right, and we live it out so we can live the best life possible. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that means we're trying to honor God with the things we know and what we know will honor him. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1 in your Bible. If you flip right to the middle of your Bible and go right a little bit, there's a good chance you're going to land in Proverbs. That's where we're starting. It's going to be on the screen as well. But the reason why we have these books why we have these wise sayings is simply because Solomon asked for God to give him a discerning heart. If Solomon would have had a different set of desires, we wouldn't have any of these the way that we have them today. And with that said, we want 2019 to be the best year ever. We want you to have the best relationships and friendships ever. We want you to have the best finances ever, the best job and work ever. And if that's true for you, if you have any of those desires, I can't think of a better place to start than the book of Proverbs. So, from what we can tell, either Solomon wrote these sayings down himself, or there was a royal scribe who was doing the writing for him, and he was doing the talking. This is verses 1 through 6. I want to give you the front door of the book of wisdom from the Bible. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, literally David's son, this is not just a metaphor. He is the biological son of King David of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. I've got good news for you. When we open up something as profound as this, it isn't something that's under lock and key because this is the thing. God isn't stingy with wisdom. God is generous with wisdom. He gives to people who seek. And so if you want understanding, if you want to get understanding, if you want wisdom, God is in the business of bestowing that upon you. And if you're a little bit curious, if you're not sure about this being existing or anything like that, just lean into these sayings and see if they add value to your life. See, the thing is, we might leave this month completely different if we just lean in to a little bit of wisdom. Now, whether you've been walking with Jesus for decades or if you're just leaning into spirituality for the first time, there is something to glean from our time together over the next four to five weeks. 
So back to the point that we originally made, because I kind of got sidetracked. The point that we made was we can be our own worst enemies. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, that's pretty accusatory. My life was miserable this year, and it was all other people's fault. Honestly, like if I were to even weigh out the scales, maybe I'm like 5% responsible for the bad stuff that's happened this year. But man, like a lot of stupid things happened to me. Well, I just want to listen to Solomon for a second and to see after he lived his whole life how he felt about where fault lies in the equation of the things that happen in our lives. He says this. I'm not going to even throw it up on the screen, but if you want to look this up, it's Proverbs 14, 12. He says this. There is a way that appears to be right to all of us, but in the end it leads to death. Shoot. (laughs) Not super optimistic, right? But here's the thing. Solomon wasn't just speaking this out in the universe. He knew it firsthand. Because his knowledge and discernment did not always become wisdom. Even worse, a lot of the times he used his knowledge and discernment to the extent of manipulating knowledge and ignoring discernment and not living in a wise way. He had all that life had to offer. He was the richest man in the history of the nation of Israel. He had the best job ever. He was the boss of everyone. He had kids on kids on kids on kids. We won't get into that right now. We'll keep this PG for a second. Yet when he was honest with himself, he looked back and he realized, looking at his soul, the part of him that made him him, and he recognized that living the way he lived, using himself as his guiding moral compass, it left him empty. So I'm going to let you in on a point of discernment real quick. Just because you know a lot of stuff doesn't mean you are wise. Just because I know a lot of stuff doesn't mean I'm wise. I mean, think about it. Don't we ignore knowledge all the time? We ignore things that we know in our heads. In our marriages, we know that we should be serving and looking to the needs of our spouse before ourselves. But like I mentioned last week, it's really hard to remove the super glue from my butt when I'm sitting on the couch watching a basketball game. You know what I'm talking about, right? With our kids, we know that we're forming little human beings and that fulfilling our promises to them makes a huge difference But we don't always fulfill our promises to our kids. We don't show up at the games. We don't send the text letting them know that things have changed. It happens. At work, we know that hard work, showing up, and being committed, commitment is crucial. We know this over and over and over again. But a lot of the times, we try to be as lazy as we can to get as much as we can get done at the same time. It's like we're trying to put as little effort in and get the most out of it. Or maybe instead of being sincerely wise, we're posturing ourselves to look smarter than we are. In our relationships and friendships, we know that sacrificial love is what wins the day. We know that we build true friendships by putting others' needs above our own. But a lot of the time, if we're being honest, aren't a lot of our friendships just there to make us feel better about ourselves? Aren't we just trying to boost our status by being friends with the right people instead of just being generous with our lives? With substances and food, we know that moderation and enjoyment is a beautiful thing and a gift from God, but we abuse things that are meant for our good, whether food or substances. And with wealth, we know that it's been given to us to steward. We know that we can make a return on our investment, but a lot of the time we are just spending on an impulse level. And so here's the common line that I'm trying to draw. We are both smarter and simpler than we give ourselves credit for. Over time, we can recognize that our ways lean to pain, death, and disappointment. But a lot of the time, we know that. We're smart, 
but we're so simple that we keep walking the line of pain. Now, I'm going to guess that over the holidays, a sacred thing occurred in your home, that you pulled out a physical photo book. Anyone pull out a physical photo book? Or maybe you didn't, because frankly, all of my pictures are in Google Photos right now, okay? I don't have a physical photo book. I don't even have a physical copy of my wedding photos. They're on a file, okay? But a lot of the times, we peel open that photo book, and what we see brings a buffet of emotions to mind, doesn't it? We look back on our lives 40, 20, 10, five years ago, and we think, man, where has the time gone? Remember when things were like that? Man, my hairline used to be right here. Dang. Man, my waistline used to be... A little further in, man, I haven't seen that friend in a long, long time. Man, that was before my parents split up. Man, that was before that loved one passed away. And then a lot of the times, the all too common one is this. Man, that was before I made that stupid decision. The past can fill us with joy and hurt. But the good news is this, the past can still be helpful. This is what we're learning together. God calls us to remember, to move forward. He calls us to look back, to live better in the present and in the future. Now, here's the funny thing. Before there was a digital photo library, before there was a physical photo library, uh, the photo album of the day was rocks. Really, rocks. I I want you to think about this for a second. When Joshua led the Israelites out of the wilderness and through the Jordan River, this may or may not be a story that you know, God led an entire nation by bringing the Ark of the Covenant down through the riverbed on dry ground, a people. And then what he commanded Joshua to do was to pull out a bunch of big rocks from the riverbed and to stack them up together and make a monument to make a remembrance of a thing that had occurred. And so that when they were living in the promised land and they would roll by this pile of rocks, which I'm sure was way more sophisticated than I'm giving it credit for right now, and their kids asked, well, what's that pile of rocks doing over there? That the elders could look at their younger ones and say, well, that was when God came through for us and led us out of the wilderness and led us into the land that he had promised us when we were slaves in the nation of Egypt. I'd say that's a pretty powerful picture, right? See, the past and the present too, if we're being honest, it can all seem so painful and dark. But when we look back, a lot of the times, don't we recognize that God was right there with us in the middle of the dark, guiding us forward to a season of light? I want to ask you something really simple, and it may seem a little trite, but do you have breath in your lungs this morning. I want you to go on ahead and humor me. Would you do that with me? Would you breathe in out real quick? One, two, three, breathe in. One more time. What you did is just the proof that God is not done with you. He's not done with you. Maybe 1988 was your worst year ever because decades before it was supposed to happen, you became a widow or a widower. 
I will not and I refuse to minimize your pain and your hurt. I know a lot of folks expect you to be over that by now, even though that's hardly charitable to the pain that you've gone through and the loss that you've received. I hurt for you. God isn't done with you yet. Maybe 2005 was your worst year ever. You lost the best job you ever had. You lost the compensation and benefits that you've never seen again for 14 years. You're at this point where you lost a piece of your identity that you thought was going to be the career trajectory for the rest of your life. I won't pretend to understand the pain and frustration and life shift that you've had to gone through. God is not done with you yet. Maybe 2018 was the worst year of your life. The proposal that you anticipated and the 50 years of life that were written in stone ahead of you that you were dreaming of, that you felt were so secure, ended in a broken relationship. Look, I'm not here to minimize your pain. I'm not here to minimize the fact that you can't see 10 feet out in front of you through the fog of life that you've been in. I'm incredibly grateful that you're here today. I'm incredibly grateful that you would allow us to be a part of the pain and journey of your life. God's not done with you yet. Does it feel dark? Are you hurting? God doesn't just call us to remember the past because sometimes when we remember the past, we cause ourselves to just hurt. We punish ourselves with our past. Here's the beautiful thing. God gives us the opportunity to praise even in the dark. Not to praise him just because he needs an ego boost because that would be really sadistic if we're thinking about it. But really, God calls you to praise in the dark because praise is the path to life. There's this really cool thing about this book. In the middle of the darkest book of the Bible, it's called Lamentations. It's literally just a book of complaints. It's about a group of people who have been ripped out of the promised land that God had given them and put into exile. And it's proof in God's word that God gives us permission not only to complain but to hurt. But smack dab in the middle of this book of darkness is a ray of blinding light. I want to read this for you. It says this, Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I wait for him. I don't know how you got here this morning. You may have thrown yourself in a pit in 2018, and hardly anyone is having compassion on you right now. Or maybe someone else threw you down in that pit and you're just hurt and trying to figure out which end is up. In the pit of death, God still gives us the opportunity to praise. And here's the thing. Just because God invites you to praise doesn't mean he minimizes your hurts. I just want to gently suggest this. Experiencing the presence of God and his faithfulness, it doesn't always look like a life of bliss. I'm going to be honest. I'm looking for sunshine and lollipops in 2019. That's what I want. I want frolicking in the meadows. I want the perfect picture, 2019. But I'm learning that even if that doesn't happen, I can still experience God's life, his love, and his peace 
even in the pit of darkness. Because God can turn a season of darkness into a season of his faithfulness and presence and our faithfulness in response. And he doesn't just leave us alone as we try to chart the path forward. So, how did we get here? How did you get here? I honestly don't know how you made it to this day. This could be the worst day of your life, or you could be hitting 2019 in stride. But here's the thing. Where do we go from here? When you look back at the photo album of your life, I have good news. There are still pages to be filled in your story. We haven't wrapped up the photo book, and God is still illuminating his light in the darkest places of your life that you think are completely hopeless. See, with God's wisdom, I honestly think that there's a path to move forward. This is how Solomon saw the path starting. This is at the end of that passage that we were reading earlier from Proverbs. Solomon said this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, that can sound a little cruel because most of us have a really imbalanced picture of fear. See, fear can be a really healthy thing, you know? You ever see that thing come across your timeline where a daredevil with a GoPro is like hopping over from building ledge to building ledge and you literally feel like you want to throw up in that moment? You know what I'm talking about? I literally have to, I start sweating sitting at my computer because of what I'm watching. In a way, fear can be a protective thing. It can also be an abusive thing, but it can be a protective thing. But that's not even really what we're talking about here. We don't fear God because he's some curmudgeon keeping track of your right and wrong, waiting for you to do something stupid enough so he can smite you from the face of the earth. That's not the God of this story. It's just not. The point is, we fear God because he is truly awe-inspiring. Solomon goes on to say in the third chapter of Proverbs that it was by God's wisdom that this world was created. And it's not just that God has wisdom, it is that God himself is wisdom. To be wise, to grow smart, to know what's right and wrong, and to living the wise life, it all starts with coming before God and recognizing you are awesome. We stand before him. He created everything. He's the giver and sustainer of the breath that we've been breathing out of our lungs this morning. The one so big and so mighty, yet so incredibly with us, and we have the only natural response. God, you're awesome. You're awesome. And as Christians, I want to let you know where we stand. We believe that Jesus, the Jesus talked about so broadly in our world, whether with reverence or simply when I hit my toe on the corner of my coffee table, we make this bold, audacious claim that Jesus is the living embodiment of the God who created everything. And Jesus had a really good friend named John who saw it this way as well. He said this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. He's using this word logos to say that Jesus is the founding principle of all reality. He was with God in the beginning, and catch this, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, I'm not expecting you to just believe that because I said it. That would be pretty unfair of me to expect. But I only think it's fair for you to understand where we stand as follower of Jesus as you continue to journey alongside with us. 
Those of us who follow Jesus don't simply make the claim that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus has existed forever in unity with God, and we believe he is the wisdom of God through which this world itself exists. So our claim is this, that when we follow Jesus, we tap into the supreme reality that holds life itself together. That Jesus, he's not just trustworthy, he's worth following. And for that reason, I've been finding out that God's wisdom transcends 2019. Because God's wisdom has been around since the very foundation of everything that we can sense and experience. God's wisdom, it'll help you in every area of your life. It'll help you have a good year. It'll help you have a good relationship with your spouse. It'll help you have good work. It'll help you have good finances. But that isn't the point of it all. The point of it all is God's wisdom is a path to life that is truly eternal. This is the path forward. We surrender ourselves to our God who is truly awesome, and he reveals to us the light of wisdom in the face of Jesus. Let's move to our time of response. I feel grateful that you're here with us today. And I want to draw this out specifically. I think there are two groups of folks that I don't want to generalize, but I think this applies to most everyone. There are two groups of folks in this room. Now, there are some of us who have been journeying with Jesus for a long time, whether it's been the last year, whether it's been the last decade, whether it's been the majority of our life. And if we're honest, a lot of the time there seems to be a disconnect between the wisdom that's available to us and the fruit of our lives. Instead of experiencing discernment and knowledge lived out, what we have seen is that not just stuff has happened to us, but a lot of times we've honestly contributed to things in our life that have caused things to go awry. And so this is what I want to encourage you to do if you've been following Jesus for a long, long time. I want you, with fresh eyes, to lean into wisdom one more time. Something that we're doing simply as a community is we're working through the book of Proverbs and we're reading one chapter a day because by God's mercy, when they split up chapters of the Bible, there was one a day for a given number of our months of the year. It just so happens to be the same for January. It's our belief that if you tune in to one chapter of Proverbs a day and maybe just select one of those wise sayings and really meditate on it and try to let it drop from your head to your heart to your hands where you're living it out, that you might leave this month a completely different person. Why not lean in? Now, there's another group of us who you're here because you're curious. You're curious if what Christians say they have to offer through the hope of Jesus Christ has anything to say about your life in 2019 and beyond. You're curious if it has anything to say to the pain and hurt that you've experienced in your life. You're curious if there is any resolution to the questions that have been pressing on your heart, mind, and spirit that has led you to a place like this today. So my recommendation to you is the same as to everyone else. Like any good, curious person, keep diving into the questions that you have and do it with the company of what we claim to be God's wisdom. When you open up the book of Proverbs, this applies to everyone now. One a day, one chapter a day, and then taking a step forward beyond that, meditating on one little statement a day, I guarantee you something is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. 
And if you've got a guilt complex, sure, read verses or chapters 1 through 5 to get caught up on track and then read chapter 6 today. But even if you just start in chapter 6 and do one proverb a day for the rest of the month, see what would be different in your life when you lean into what we claim is a source of true and everlasting wisdom for the course of one month. Now, for all of us, I think this is something that applies. Whether you're just curious or whether you've been journeying with Jesus for a long time, we want this to be a community where you can belong and grow in your relationship with God and your relationships with other people. And so one of the best ways that we can grow in wisdom and grow in living the good life is by investing in relationships with other people who are trying to do the same exact thing. And so today, my encouragement to you is this. We have environments here at first that we simply call groups, and it's very broad on purpose. The point of groups, like I said, is to help people grow in their relationship with God and grow in their relationships with other people. If you're ready to experience community that is pursuing wisdom, a place where your voice matters no matter what perspective you're coming from, and a place where you can truly belong, I think now's the time for you to join a group. Whether you've been making excuses through your schedule for years as we've been announcing these groups over and over and over again to get connected into a group, or whether or not you are just here for the first time and you know you need support as you journey forward in this new year. We want you to be a part of one of our groups. Now, the most effective way to sign up for a group is to come to this event that we call Group Link. It's been a huge success every time that we've had it. We have it in the Oasis, which is at the back of this building you're in right now. It's gonna be on January 16th from 6.30 to 8. And we're just gonna help you meet people who lead groups and see if you can't get connected to a community where you can belong and grow in 2019 and beyond. To sign up for that, I want you to look. I believe there is a link on your program today to sign up for Group Link, but that's fcc-online.org forward slash group link. We will have childcare available. We'd love to make it easy for you to be there and to find the group that meets on a regular basis that can support you and where you can belong. So the last thing I want to mention is my friend, Jared, who is one of our worship pastors. He serves over at our Urbana location. We're having this conversation about how in the 15th century, there was this huge plague that was spreading throughout Europe. I believe this was the time frame. And there were so many people who were dying or who looked like they were dead that they started tying a little rope around people's wrists. So when they buried them in a shallow grave, just in case they weren't dead yet, and they woke up later, they could ring that bell that was attached to that rope, and they could be unearthed, and they could continue to live. I'm guessing that 2018 threw a bunch of dirt on your life. I'm guessing that maybe even the last decade or the last quarter century has thrown a bunch of dirt on your life. Let me offer you this. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Don't let someone else tell you that your life is over. Don't allow the mistakes that you have made to be the final notice on your life. There is life and there is joy and there is hope and wisdom to be found. And we make the claim as followers of Jesus that Jesus' answer to those questions and those desires is yes. And he gives us life that is truly life and he gives us life that lasts forever. I want that for you. Would you ring the bell and take a next step? Whether that's joining a group, whether that's crying out to Jesus, we're here for you to walk alongside you in that process. Let's pray and then we'll set up our time of response. Lord Jesus, if you've truly existed forever, if everything was truly created for you, if we can truly find wisdom 
through you. God, help us to see it. Jesus, by the power of your spirit living in us through our faith in you, would you give us the ability to know and to grasp the life that is truly life. I pray that we wouldn't just think about 2019 as the high point of our lives, but that we would look back to it and recognize that that was the point where we attached to the true source of wisdom and life. We want to live lives that are full. We offer ourselves up to you. Jesus, we're ringing the bell. We want you. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. If you're newer to first, one of the things we do is we respond and we move because we want to mark this moment of obedience to us discovering who God is by doing a number of different things in this room. If you consider Jesus your Lord and Savior, there are six little communion tables around the auditorium. You can go there and you can take the little piece of bread and you can take the little cup of juice and after you've partaken of that, put it in the little silver tins. And this is an opportunity for you, if your faith is in Jesus, to recognize that the wisdom of God became a human and died and rose from the dead to reconcile us to God and be the people who God created us to be. This is what makes us who we are, is the body and blood of Jesus. Another thing you're going to have the opportunity to do is to give. And so a lot of us, we are so inspired by this Jesus that we're having a hard time holding on to stuff that we would normally contain to ourselves. So there are going to be people who are pulling out that Give app that we talked about earlier and giving in that way. There will also be people going to the Give and Respond boxes and dropping off their gifts there as well. If you have that connection card, that's a place in the Give and Respond boxes as well by the auditorium doors in the front and the back where we would love to pray with you. We would love to walk alongside you. We'd love to help you take a next step. Final thing that I want to mention is that if today is the day for you to ring the bell, if today is for the day for you to take a next step, come and pray about it. Open yourself up to the source of true wisdom and open your hands and ask God to give generously the wisdom that he always provides. So would you do this with me? Would you stand with me in this moment? We're going to respond in just a second. What we're going to do together is we're going to lift one another up and we're going to lift the name of Jesus up as we praise in the midst of whatever season that we're in. When you're ready to give, when you're ready to respond, when you're ready to take communion, when you're ready to pray, Go ahead and do that. Let's respond.